Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai can't ask for better new inventory than that. Great pre-owned inventory. You can check it all out at sunburymotors.com. Great time for deals, too. All right. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day, Ben Simmons. Gobert and that pass may have hit the rim. And the Sixers come up with a turnover. Simmons bursting in. Down to give the young fella 19 first quarter points. Exactly what he needed to do tonight. Establish himself early, establish the pace of this game. Ben Simmons having a terrific year. All right. Time now to bring in Mark Brennan, 247 Sports. Mark, welcome back to the program. Great to have you with us. Great to be here. Love the boxing uh, talk. Was dis- we're not you know saddened to hear of Leon Spinks passing away yeah. recently. Yeah, Leon Spinks passing away, um, who beat Ali and then Ali won the for the third time in his title. Uh, they wanted to strip Spinks of his uh, of his championship uh, to fight for fighting Ali. People don't realize that. Actually, wanted to strip yeah. Spinks of the title for fighting Ali a second time. Yeah, that's when you you started to really see Ali kind of slipping away. It was kind of yeah. it was kind of sad, even even when he won. But that you know when the the speech started to slur and, and all those things. But uh, the Spinks family, uh, Olympic boxers. Uh, unfortunately, Michael Spinks is always going to be known for getting his uh, you know what kicked by <laughs> Mike Tyson. Yes, yeah, ninety one seconds in Atlantic yep. City. Yep, exactly. Uh, so I'll do this in reverse. We'll get to Tim Banks in a moment. Uh, basketball last basketball's played 17 games. Eight of the 17 have been decided by five points or less. Obviously, Nebraska was a game. Look, I opened up the broadcast by saying, look, there are certain games that are in the category of can't lose. No, you can't yeah. afford to lose this game. That was that game. So where do you see this right now? You know, it's, I think this team, Steve, it was interesting. You know, in, in, in watching that Nebraska game, I'm also on our website, so you're getting real-time feedback from fans, and people are like, why are they settling for three-point shots? And I'm saying they are wide-open shots. You have to take that shot. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's been the struggle with this team in this past stretch. Uh, I think they're shooting 26.4% from three in the last five games. If this team doesn't make three-point shots, and if it doesn't score in transition, then it's really in trouble. And it didn't do either of those things against Nebraska, and it's really been struggling from three. I mean, I give Jim Ferry credit. They are getting good shots. And in end-of-game situations, they are getting good shots, and they're running good stuff. Yes. Uh, But I know it's a cliche, but if the shots don't go down, 
And then the other thing with Nebraska is when you play that loose on defense, when they're back-cutting you to death for most of the game until you finally tighten up, right. you, this team doesn't have that margin for victory when, when shots aren't falling. Right. When shots are falling, this team could run with anybody. And we saw that against Virginia Tech. We saw that against Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin number one, when they put up more than 80 against Wisconsin. Right. When the shots aren't falling, especially the three-point shots, because there's, there's just not enough post play. There's just not enough driving to the basket. Isaiah Brockington is the one guy with the mid-range, so they they need to make three-point shots. So as I look at it, I don't think it's all that complicated to figure out what's going on. And I know that's an old basketball cliche that shots have to fall, but for this team, three-point shots must fall. Well, what's what's interesting? I mean, here's the last four games, and these are the games where they haven't been able to score more than sixty-one. They're eight of the eighty of two hundred thirty-four, thirty-four point two percent. They are, as you mentioned, on the threes. They're 25 at 101, so that's 24.8%. But yeah. here's the other part that's galling. They're 55 at 133. They're 41.4% on twos. They just don't get enough. They don't have people who can – they don't have go-to people. John Hara, God bless him, he's done a fantastic job. To me, the MVP of this team. But he just isn't consistent enough in the paint. He's better. He's much better. But he's not the kind of guy that you could dump it down in there to, uh, and, and you know that you're going to get a bucket. Or they don't have a guy like Lamar Stevens. You know, Isaiah Brockington's the closest thing to 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 having that sort of mid-range game. Right. And you know, who do they have that slashes? I mean, you know, Brockington does, Sessoms does, but his minutes are down. So you look at all those things, and it's like, where are you going to get these two-point baskets from? The, the two-point attempts. And it, they're just not there, as far as I could see. It's the what we call the energy stats. You know, it's what Dick Jordan and I refer to as. So in the right. last four games, they have forty-nine offensive rebounds. Now, look, you're missing shots, so there are more offensive rebounds to be had, right? So let's be honest about it. But their rebounding rate, though, okay, their percentage is thirty-one point eight percent which is the same it's been all year, which is number one in the Big Ten. So 49 offensive rebounds last four games, 25 steals, slightly down, but still that's better than six a game. And they've forced teams into 47 turnovers, so they're getting themselves extra chances. So the energy stats are still there. Yeah, nobody's questioned the effort of this team, especially on – well, at least I haven't. I think anybody who's paying attention – but then you look at the Nebraska game where they have 16, where they force 16 turnovers, which is a big number, but you only get 15 points out of them. Exactly. And that's where I, I talked about scoring in transition. Yep. This team, when it's at its best, I mean, when you looked at that Wisconsin game, the first one, Wisconsin won, yep. they, were, they, were, they were able to, number one, I mean, the one thing about that, that game, the guards were rebounding like crazy. No doubt. And then when you, when you have a Brockington rebound, it's like when you watch Ben Simmons in the NBA. Right. He doesn't have to outlet pass it. It's an automatic fast break. He's going. Right. But when, when you get those opportunities and you're not able to capitalize, the other thing, I don't have the box score from the last game in front of me, Steve, but when you get all these offensive rebounds and you're not getting second-chance points off of right. them, I think was I forget what the number was, but it was a very low number on uh, shots that the official stat keepers considered layups. Right. It was below 50% on layups. It was. And that, that's, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That those are the things that, again, I, I don't question the effort, especially I, I question the effort on defense early in the Nebraska game. 
give them credit for tightening it up late, going with the three quarters, you know, for, forcing Nebraska into some things. But the effort offensively has been there. And the end of game situations, it's, it's, it's funny because somebody asked Jim after the game about, you know, what can you do? Uh, it's something I'm paraphrasing, but to, to, to get better opportunities at the end of games. And Jim's like, have you watched our game? <laughs> exactly. Because, right? I mean, they're getting wide open shots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're getting, they're getting looks. I mean, the only thing that I would say is, you know, I thought, and I talked to Dave Jones about this, I thought at the end of the Nebraska game, maybe Brockington would have been better served. Uh, with a, with his patented pull up jumper, yeah. I know what he was doing. He was trying to take it to the basket. Yeah. But that was one Big Ten game where they swallowed the whistles. They did it all. Right, and they did. Right. Were calling anything right. in that game, and that's where I thought Brockington could have hit his little patented pull up jumper. But you know, the previous game, I mean, Miles Dread w- wide open, and people are like, "Oh, but Miles Dredd, Miles Dread won the VCU game with that with a." very similar shot from a little bit different area but it it, it all goes back to it it's sometimes basketball isn't as complicated as everybody wants to make it you know they should do this they should do this (laughs) no offense no offense but every every sport is like that (laughs) right when you're when you're a team that's this small you have to be able to score from the perimeter you just have to be able to do it there's no doubt about it And, and let's not forget a shot that would have put the game away on Sunday was wide open in the corner for Miles Dredd. I mean, wide, wide open. Yeah. I mean, when you're co- other, you- when you're coaching, do you put them in a position to, to to score or win? Well, when you're seeing that many wide open looks, the answer in that is yes. Right. And then I think the other thing, Steve, is I don't think we can uh, diminish how much the drop-off in Seth Lundy's game has hurt. Yeah. I don't mean to be critical of, you know, of an individual player, but when he's when he's hot, that adds a whole new dimension. Yes. That opens other things up. And the other thing with Seth, and, and I've written this, is that he's got to get out of his own head because yeah. when his three point shot doesn't fall, right. now all of a sudden he's not. He, he stops taking the ball to the basket. He's not shooting free throws. I mean, he hasn't shot a free throw in five games. I think four or five games. Right. Exactly. And th- this is a guy who. So that so so that eliminates something else. So I think that that has hurt. Now Miles Dredd has picked it up and has played well, but I think you need both of those guys playing well. Exactly. No, no. You you need uh, look. You need two out of the three guys that your perimeter threats have to be shooting well. Yeah, you can right. have one fall off, but you can't have you can't have all three fall off, and you ha- and you can't have two out of three fall off. I mean, that I mean that's yeah. A, and if he, no, I agree. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to to, to step on you there. No, that's fine. Um, Tim Banks is going to go to Tennessee to become the defensive coordinator. Supposedly, the numbers like three years, four point two million, one point four million a year. Uh, so I, you know, he he went in there and he said, "Look, I want Brennan money." I'm like, oh, okay, nice. <laughs> uh, so. Number one, Christine Brennan. <laughs> Christine Brennan. That's right. Uh, your thoughts on Tim Banks and also, uh, you know, what Penn State needs to do with that safety coaching spot? Because obviously, James has a list of guys already. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got a list. I mean, that's the one thing he's always prepared for. This. Listen. I mean, 
this is one of those situations where you have an opportunity to become defensive coordinator at an SEC program, you know, even one mm-hmm. that struggled the last few years. Yep. That's that, to, to me, that reflects well on Penn State and, yep. and what Penn State and what Franklin is doing with his coaching staff. You know, this is by no means a, a horizontal move. So that's a great thing for Tim Banks. Right. You know, the, the one thing that I, I think makes you a little bit nervous as, as you look at, don't worry about on the field. Right. They'll get a coach who knows how to do what's what on the field. But Tim Banks, for people who don't follow it closely, he's a Detroit guy. And he has done a fantastic job recruiting Michigan yeah. uh, the last few years. They've gotten one, two, three players you know, a year at least out of that area and good players as well. There are a lot of good players in that Detroit area, and he's done a fantastic job. So I think one of the keys you know, is can you get somebody who not only is talented on the field, but can work that area, or can you shift one of your current coaches to be able to work? You know, Terry Smith is like a chameleon when it comes to recruiting. You could put him anywhere; and exactly. he's going to do a, a yeah. good job. I mean, J- no Jaywan Sider could—you could put him anywhere, and he's going to do a good job. That's they have right. a bunch of guys like that. But to me, Tim Banks—you know—he was, I think, an MLK guy from Detroit. Yep. You know, well-known program, knew everybody in Detroit. Uh, not having him there recruiting, I don't think you can – that's the part of losing Tim Banks that's going to hurt. And that's not saying anything negative about him as an on-the-field coach. Oh, no, he did a really no. nice job. Right. But uh, I, I think for people who don't follow it as closely as maybe we do, and especially from, from our site covering the recruiting, the job he did in, uh, in Michigan and the Midwest was fantastic. And on the site, and I've asked you know, others about this um, – Mike Yurcich not only steps in to be uh, quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator, that also means that is something that uh, – what kind of appeal does that have, to, uh, Mike Yurcich, to those that they are recruiting? Well, yeah. I mean, we have a story up now, and I know you have to be careful about what you talk about and what, what uh, you know, that sort of thing. But <laughs> right. we, we actually have a story up now on the site about a, a, a QB from uh, Texas that's very interested in Penn State now. And so that's what that's what that kind of brings. And when you look at at, at Yursich and where he's been, um, it, you know that whole Big Twelve footprint. Um, there aren't a lot of great prospects coming from some of those areas, but obviously Texas is gigantic. A lot of really really good uh, players come from Texas. So all those years he spent at Oklahoma State, and then obviously getting back down there to Texas, uh, having him being able to work those areas uh, is is going to be a positive. And again, Penn State has gotten players out of Texas. I mean, Terry Smith's gone in there sure. and done some really nice work. But to have a guy who's, you know, it's almost like what you're seeing uh, with Cider doing in Florida. I mean, you know, he's got the roots there. Now, Yurcich doesn't have quite the same roots in Florida that that Cider does. But he was there long enough that I think he has those connections, and I think you're going to see Penn State make more inroads into Texas, which is, again, a huge state in terms of the number of prospects it puts out every single year. By the way, uh, compliments to to Grace. She has taken some fabulous shots, and I know you gave some credit to Steve Manuel as you know, as, as in, a, in a mentorship role, but uh, she had a picture of Isaiah Brockington's dunk the other day that was just absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's, the one cool thing about having Grace, Grace is my daughter, and uh, the one cool thing about having her around 
is that she's been able to learn from people like Joe Herman of the Patriot yes. News, Har- Harvey Levine, our photographer, yeah. uh, you know, Abby Dre from the CDT, yeah. uh, obviously Steve Manuel, who's been around. I know I'm forgetting people, but just just being around and seeing how people work, you know, that's half the battle. This I, I don't know that this is anything she's going to do for her whole life, but to be able to do it and then spend time with me, it's been it's been pretty cool. But I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I know I probably overdo it posting her photos, no. the photos that she takes on Facebook, but uh, we're very proud of her. Well, you're a proud dad, and you should be. Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. No problem, Steve. See you guys. Mark Brennan. 247 Sports. Next half hour, Tony Knopp. We got five minutes of Matt Rance coming up here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us. Carson Wentz is still an Eagle. Um, no. You don't like me saying that? I just want to... It's whatever at this point. I just want to keep everybody updated because you've made such a big deal out of it. (laughs) It's become obvious Nate Sudfeld is your guy. Yeah, that's exactly right. See, the fact that you agree with management is a big step for you. All I have to say is it's pretty sad when the starting quarterback is still here trying to trade him. Not there yet, but yet everybody else is practicing with Jalen Hurts in Texas. Or wherever they are right now. I don't know if they're practicing. If they are in Texas, they're not practicing right now. But They're, they're not doing anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awfully hard for them to make a couple of adjustments when uh, Hurts is not the quarterback. All right, so... <laughs> I gotta give your I gotta give your group credit. Your team's a mess. All right. Uh Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Just thought we'd throw that out there for you. Uh there'll be uh I can tell you right now that there will be one more adjustment in the Penn State basketball schedule next week, but they're going to one of the makeup games will be made up next week. So that means that in the end, the uh, they should have no more than two games missed and possibly just one, because obviously the Drexel games the one. And they had two Big Ten games they had to make up. They will make up one on Tuesday, but we're not, you know, not at liberty to say yet against two, where, what time, any of that stuff. But that's how they're doing it. Uh, wrestling, they're on the road at Ohio State. They're four zero, so it means the vast majority of guys in this lineup have four matches under their belt. That's what you need. They'll get the fifth one on Friday. They're cooking along. Um, and doing Penn State wrestling things. I mean, they just go out, they just keep winning. 
Too bad the Iowa dual meet didn't make it. Now, I think at some point that's going to get rescheduled. College wrestling needs it to be rescheduled. Let's face it, Kale Sanderson coming to Penn State, I think in a lot of ways changed the face of collegiate wrestling. And I think it's changed the popularity of collegiate wrestling. It's more popular than ever. Tony Knopp, next half hour. We'll try to have a Carson Wentz free half hour. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. Great sales staff that works with you and your budget. And also an outstanding service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Under the category, it's been too long, and I would say two weeks is too long. We bring back Tony Knopp. My friend, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Great to hear from you. Way too long. Let's not go that long again. Please. Uh, I agree with that completely. Completely. All right. Uh, Let's start with uh, the Super Bowl is down 18 million viewers, including, by the way, uh, streaming. So it's down 18 million viewers from six years ago. The NFL is going to get its money, and they're going to do just fine. Uh, is there a, is there any area for concern? Because seven, you know, the flip side is 79 of the top 100 shows are NFL games. Yes. Here's why. Um, and they're not going to say it this way because they have to sell the sponsors, and I understand that. And, look, we would encourage any sponsor to be involved with the NFL. But what's really interesting when you talk about professional sports, and you and I have had these conversations in depth before, is when a league is growing and going positively, they never compare themselves to their neighbors. And the example I'll give is, like, for example, baseball. They'll say, hey, we are at X percent year over year on attendance, on growth, on whatever else. But they'll never say well, we only grew 24%, while football grew 100% and basketball grew 100%. Right? You never heard that on the way up. You always just heard, here's how great it was, because you're obviously trying to you know, use statistics to sell your product better. It's the old saying, lies, darn lies, and statistics are the three kinds of lies. But what's right. interesting now is when you see some down numbers from even the NFL, who's led the pack, now all of a sudden we're comparing it to our neighbors. Right, something we've never done in the past. We're now saying, well, yeah, I mean, it's down, but it's not as down as everything else. And, and this isn't attention is a zero-sum game, right? The argument to say our numbers are down, but everybody else's are down too, so that's okay. The attention span and the spending power of the people that you're trying to sell to is not just evaporating into the ether. It's going somewhere else. So where is it going? And that's the question the NFL has to answer, because right now, obviously, there's a lot of success. There's a lot of value in in, in those sponsorships and those dollars and everything else that are tied around football. 
But if you're looking at a, at a trend now, that's not a COVID trend, something that's been happening, as you stated, for six years, there is a theme here. They are losing eyeballs, recreational eyeballs, to something else because people are spending that time on something else. That's what the brands are starting to pay attention to, too. And so when you see that number and you see people try to say it's not a big deal, the NFL is still and, – and you cited how the NFL talks about it and a lot of the press talks about it, that, hey, we're still – nine out of ten of the top tv shows there is right but tv isn't all there is right and so it's really interesting to see how uh, i'll be really really curious to see how the nfl handles this especially when you have something like a global event like the super bowl which has ratings that have dropped so now let's bring it to the other part uh we went months without sports and many felt that when sports came back, and the fact that many people were home, that they'd be watching a lot of sports. The ratings don't show that. What's your read on that? My read is it's interesting. It's We've had so many great conversations on the show over the years, and you and I spoke a couple of years ago about how necessary the ambiance of an event is just because of who we are as people. Right, We're tribal by evolution. We just want to be around other people and have that excitement and that energy and whatever that is, whether that's the original Olympic Games in Athens or it's at Happy Valley for the whiteout game. And you and I were talking about two years ago about stadium sizes and arena sizes and how there was always this conversation about how an arena was eventually going to become like a soundstage. And you were going to have people in there to try to create an ambiance, but you had to try to strike that balance with the soundstage so that it creates the kind of event that people want to be a part of. And I think we're really getting that experiment on the far other side where, you know, we underestimated, I don't think we, you and I didn't, we had this conversation already, but I think a lot of people underestimated how much of the event itself is the ambiance and the crowd and the tribalism and the excitement and the energy because those things do translate. It's not always, like, you know, when Michael Jordan retires, the NBA didn't go away because people still like experiencing those things together. And so I personally think, and there's some studies that we've been reading in the Sports Business Journal and in some of Advertising Age and in some of uh, what Nielsen is doing that show that the, the effect of not having a crowd has been significant. What I'm really curious to see is the ratings differences in the Australian Open because they had a crowd for a couple of days, and now they don't. And to me, it's even noticeable. And I'm not the biggest tennis fan, but it's very noticeable to me. And they've got a prime prime semifinal with Osaka against Serena Williams. That, I think, is going to be an even better gauge. Yeah, they can't do better than that. But you can't do better than Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady? No. You can't. You can't. And, like and it, 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 it's, it's like yeah. the emperor had no clothes in this one because you always have to find an excuse if you underperform. That's what every team, league, venue, whatever does. And the NFL really struggles on this one to say, okay, well, people weren't doing anything else. They were home, right, watching TV. We had probably the best matchup we could have gotten for television's sake, not for ticketing's sake, but for television's sake, right. you couldn't have done better on a national level. And it still dropped significantly. That's terrifying and, for everybody involved. And same thing with the college football national championship. Lowest rating yeah. yet. Uh, 
Now that you've got the NCAA basketball tournament coming up, all in the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Which love, is too bad, because you and I both know that is such a shame. That is one of the yeah, best home yeah. cities there is for the Final Four. It's so fun. No question. No question. Uh, in fact, Indianapolis does it up as well as anybody. They get it. Uh, but you're probably not going to have Duke, probably not going to have Kentucky, not, probably not going to have Michigan North Carolina. State. North Carolina. Right on, in fact, North Carolina scheduled a game this week to get a win. They scheduled yeah. <laughs> Northeastern this week to get a win. Seriously, I mean, that's that's what they've done. I thought. Uh, so how concerned should the NCAA be because there's a downward trend to begin with and love them or hate them? I mean, you're going to watch the – there are going to be people watching Duke because they love him and they want him to win. There's going to be a group watching Duke to watch them lose. Yeah, much bigger group. You always uh, how need much the black you, hat. Always. Right. How much, how much is this tournament going to be hurt that the casual fan will be missing marquee names that really only attract the casual fan? It's interesting you say it um, because we were talking about this last week and we were talking about sponsorship engagement with some of the uh, brands that we use. I think there's no event out there that's going to be more hurt by no fans in the stands than March Madness. Yes. And it's not even going to be close. I mean, that, that, there's, you're, voting, you're rooting for laundry in that case. Those, yep. those kids switch out every year now. It used to be every four years you could watch a kid grow up, you know, back in your and my day. That's not the case anymore. You're rooting for Kentucky. You're rooting for a group of kids where three of them are going to be gone in a year. And it really is predicated on the energy that's in the building, the fact that Cinderella, you have, uh, what was her name, Grandma Jean, the Loyola Chicago. Uh, 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 yeah. You have those faces. You have those names, and you have them there. And now we're going to play it on a soundstage. This event's going to do pretty poorly. Right. So let's let's open the door now to the future here, because you that's what you deal in. You deal in the future. Yep. What is mine? What is mine? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you deal in the future. We don't know. How, things are opening up somewhat. Mm-hmm. Is there enthusiasm for a, a reopening somewhat? Uh, you know, if somebody offers twenty percent of tickets, would twenty percent of the tickets then go? Not what people think. Um, yes, there is a massive enthusiasm to return to normal once somebody shows that it's okay. Think, here's a terrible analogy that we've been using regularly because we get calls from teams and venues who are saying, why aren't the brands coming back? You know them. Why aren't they coming back, right? They're spending on the sponsorship side like, like crazy. I mean, the NFL had a massive year with sponsors, but the, the, the right. companies aren't going back. Think... Um, Amy the Island in Jaws when nobody would get in the water until right. the mayor's kids were the first ones out and then everybody kind of flocked right. in. Now that ended terribly. Let's hope that's not how it ends here. But that's yeah, the point Because the shark, the shark did show up. Yeah, the shark, shark did show up. The good news yes. is it showed up somewhere else, but or it showed up in the channel. Yes. But right. <laughs> neither here nor there. That's, that's the way to think about this. Everybody's going to stay on the beach, even though they want to go in the water. Everybody's going to stay on the beach until they think it's safe, until they see other people doing it. It's a really interesting study that they did. Uh, I think it was Princeton that did the study that was showing that people don't feel safe enough until they know somebody personally who's had that experience that they can then go have that experience. So what they were saying is if the teams and if restaurants, the study was actually more around travel and, and uh, restaurants than it was live events, but the premise was 
if I want to go back, I'm not going to feel safe until Steve goes back, and then right. I go back with Steve. Right. right? So they need all of these first movers to come back and say that it's okay, and then to bring their friends with them back. So I think there's going to be a massive explosion in live. I really do. I think Coachella, I think those events are going to go back to where they were, and there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand. But I think what gets lost in history here is people are saying, you know, history is repeating itself. And 2021 is going to be this massive year, just like we had the Roaring Twenties after the Spanish flu. That's not what right. happened. Actually, 2021 right. was a recession year. Yes, the it Roaring Twenties came in 2022. That's right. So I think yeah, 20, we're going to see 21, like yeah, 21 kind of was a bad year. Yeah, 21 was a bad year after the Spanish flu. It was 22 yeah. through it was 22 through the middle of 29 that that was exploding. Right. And people think that we're just going to hit this rubber band and we're going to go back, and that's just not the case. Like, we're talking to the brands. And, and what's interesting, we had this conversation. We were on a panel with the NBA two weeks ago, and they were a little surprised by our take on it. We said, look, you have all of these teams, all of these colleges, all of these universities, you know, and you have these leagues around the country who hire their own marketing teams, their own analytics teams, and they're trying to study the fan, and they're trying to understand the fan, and they're trying to sell to the fan and all of those things. But they don't view the brands the way they should. Because if you take, let's say, the Portland Trailblazers, for example, and you yep. take their marketing team, and you put that up against Anheuser-Busch's marketing team, right? Like just this high-powered, weaponized marketing team that understands everything there is to understand about the fans. I'll tell you who does know where the eyeballs are going. It's those guys. It's the Anheuser-Busch's, right. the Wells Fargo's, the Miller Corps. And you look at what they're doing, right? They're the ones who are going to give us an understanding of how we're going to get back and how fast we're going to get back. The MGMs, the Caesars, all of those. And you can kind of see this methodical return that they're planning over the course of the next three quarters. And that's going to give us an idea of when we get back to normal. And I think it's going to come, honestly, I think it's going to happen slower than people think, but faster than people think. What I mean is, I think everybody's going to expect this big snapback to happen in June or July, and I don't think that's going to happen, right? I think we're going to be right. sitting here in July going, where is everybody? But I think much like that beach in Amity Island, over the course of two weeks, it's going to snap. And all of a sudden, it's going to be full again. That's what's going. Who, that's what we think is going to happen based on the numbers we're seeing. Tony, who can you tell right now that gets it, and who can you tell right now that doesn't get it? Uh, the brands get it. I mean, they, especially the ones who are focused on what the next generation is doing. So Anheuser-Busch, CDW, Nissan, Verizon really gets it. MGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, you know, these are all brands that are paying attention to exactly how people are using and spending their time. And what they're trying to do is triangulate what they were doing pre-COVID, what they were doing during COVID, and where that ends up in the future, right? And that's how they're trying to understand everything, is look, we're not going to compete for eyeballs. We're going to compete for the place where the eyeballs are. They're meeting the customers where they are. So they really do get it. And some of the leagues do too. I mean, the NFL, they're putting that information out, but the NFL understands this, and the NBA is having these conversations too. MLS gets it. They had that conversation about uh, the work stoppage. There's no way that was ever going to happen. Baseball doesn't get it. Baseball doesn't get it because they can't get it because they have such a fractured labor and contentious agreement between the players and the owners that right. they're going to get passed again. And, and that's a perfect segue into what we talked about earlier. You know, I, I watched uh, Bob Bowman, who years ago was the head of MLBAM, 
give a whole speech about how the top four sports in the 1950s and 60s were boxing, horse racing, track, and baseball, and the only one left yes. is baseball. And you right. see what he was doing. He was comparing himself to the people on his block, but he wasn't comparing himself to football and basketball, which had lapped them by that point. Right. And that's those are the people who are understanding it, and those are the people who aren't. And, and a lot of that, none of this is to say that people aren't smart. I mean, Steve, it's just it's the way they're incentivized. It's not nefarious. It's just, look, if I'm in charge of it for four years, I'm going to get everything I can, and I'm going to leave. And that's right. where you see the problem in the sports business. Right. And that, that, is, that is the problem. And for... Look, the fact the NFL has settled its labor part, and essentially, except for Thursday Night Football, they've settled their television part. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball's 180 of this. They, their contract is up November 30th. They can't even agree on playoffs on the DH now or delaying a season now. I mean, the players won't even go to the table. No. But at least, but Steve, at least they have a commissioner and a head of the labor union. The Pac-12 conference has nobody, and their TV contracts coming up. And that's that's true. Now the first one up is going to be the Big Ten, though. First one will be the Big Ten. But at least they have somebody who knows what he's doing in that role that everybody thinks very highly of. The Pac-12 doesn't even have somebody steering the ship currently. But some will say that he took the previous ship and he and through the Pac-12 network steered it toward the dock. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, you talk about the people who don't get it. Baseball and the Pac-12 are in real trouble. They're in real trouble with becoming also ran. I would make the argument that Pac-12 is already an also ran, but they they could be dropping off to just not mattering at all, losing their 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 title as a as a Power Five conference. And baseball, if they don't understand the next generation, they're going to be the same. We're going to start talking about baseball the way we talk about horse racing. There's nothing wrong with horse racing, but it's not right. a major four. Right. The Olympics. Boxing, the same thing. Yeah. The Olympics are still this summer, still on. And then it's going mm-hmm. to come right back again in Beijing. Mm-hmm. What, what is the health of the Olympics? Because Beijing is going to bring with it different emotions politically. Tokyo is going to be a roll of the dice if they can just get it in. So where are the Olympics in this right now? Well, there are people smarter than me that I rely on for that information. Right now, it's 6-1 to one that the Olympics happens with fans. If you, okay. if you put money on it, it's 6-1 to one in your favor. They are adamant that there will be fans in the stands in Tokyo still. And the people who have money on it are putting money on that side. Um, the problem, the biggest problem the Olympics has is... You have these premium Olympics in Tokyo, Paris, and Los Angeles that yes. are the rebuild the brand, destination locations, terrific on. I mean, everything about them works, right? Even Tokyo's time change isn't the end of the world. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world when you're talking about Western uh, live television. Beijing is something we already did. You know, we did Beijing in 2008. The one thing Beijing has going for it, and you might be surprised by this, is. Beijing might be the perfect Olympics for right now, for a year after Tokyo. And here's why. Because China will never let it fail. Because of the way their government runs and because of the pride they have, they will pack those stands with the locals if they have to and print money and put it in there. They will make it look like it's a success, even if it's not. It's not going to be like uh, uh, Russia 
the Winter Olympics in Russia when nobody went, right? Right. They're going to do they're going to do their job to make sure that this looks like it's a wild success, and maybe that's the hero we need. You know, <laughs> one year after Tokyo, when everybody's already spent all of their money, time, energy going and doing Tokyo on a national stage. Yeah, remember the price of oil was a hundred dollars a barrel when um, Putin bid for it. It was forty five. <laughs> it was forty. It was forty five when it came time to pay for it. All right, uh, and they were going to oh, make man, Sochi, and so and Sochi was supposed to be turned into this great resort that everybody was going to flock to. No, how's that going? <laughs> All right. No, not think any of us are going there on a bet. So the Olympics yeah. really—it's interesting. They need Tokyo to be strong. They need it. That's why they've made all the changes because this is the metropolis. This is or the metropolitan Western society Olympic Games. Here comes Paris, and here comes Los Angeles behind it. You know, right. high firepower in Los Angeles because we all remember the the games. The last time they came through Los Angeles, kind of changed the way sponsorship worked. The team they yep. put together in LA this year or for 2028 is the same thing, right? They are. They just need to get to Paris and LA and keep it intact so the sponsors want to do it. Tokyo helps them do that. And then, honestly, as unexcited as I am about going back to Beijing, I spent a month there at the last Games in 2008. It actually is the most sure thing Olympics you can get. It's not like we're going to Qatar for the World Cup, right? Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> oh, my not goodness. on a bet. We'll, d- we'll discuss that next time, which will be much sooner than later. I can't wait to have you back on. Yeah, anytime. I, I really miss catching up with you guys. It's uh, it's been interesting. I do think, like I said, I think we're the narrative has turned. People are more positive now. I think hopefully next time we're talking about we have a, a full time back date, and then we just need a couple of people to get in the water, and then everybody will flock in. Yeah, uh, I noticed that you sent me into the water first. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Steve that... goes for a swim, comes back. All right, then I'll go with him. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. A pleasure. We will talk soon because uh, I'm not going to let this uh, longer gap happen again. Absolutely. All right. Have a great week, guys. Thanks so much. Tony Dopp. All right. Great to have you on the show today. Wrap it up here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This winter has been brutal, but at least I can still get around. In my new all wheel drive Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia. Sunbury Motors Kia makes getting around easy with the all-new, completely redesigned 2021 Kia Serrano. You'll love the new look inside and out. Sunbury Motors Kia has six in stock with 1.9% financing for up to 66 months. 2021 Kia Serrano's start at 31490 That's not the only all-wheel drive Sunbury Motors Kia has to help you get around. The 2021 Kia Sportage is ready for winter adventures and starts at 23464 And there's 23 to choose from. Also, check out the 2021 all-wheel drive Seltos and K5. Remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Let the adventure begin at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Financing through KMF. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see dealer or go to Kia.com.